Hello and welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast. We've just finished hearing what Jesse Marsh had to say about this weekend's upcoming fixture against Chelsea. Uh, he also provided a team news slash injury slash which part of Patrick Bamford's body will break update and waded in on some transfer links as well. Uh, we'll get into those a little bit later in the pod. Uh, once again, though, I'm joined by Leeds United reporter Lee Sobot, who kindly accompanied me last week uh, as well, while Grimm continues to live out the plot of Around the World in 80 Days. Uh, Lee, you've just been up there at the training ground with Jesse. A few questions on, on the history of this Leeds versus Chelsea fixture. Uh, disappointed he didn't respond by mentioning his father's gun or something of that nature uh, with him being American. <laughs> yeah. and all. A bit of crossover there, but clearly missed his chance. Um, on the whole, though, how did you find Marsh today? And about, about 25 minutes worth, what were your what were your main takeaways? Yeah, it was really good. It was quite a detailed, long press conference, really. So it's one of those press conferences you came out of and thought, oh, there's, you know, there's loads of lines there to go out and various different topics, obviously starting off with the injury news, team, uh, team news update. I mean, it's quite nice the way he comes in all prepared with his notes, ready to go through that. So he knew that was coming first and quite surprising, really, in a way, because obviously Bamford had been on the official podcast saying pretty much he was out of this weekend. But obviously... Um, Jesse said there's still a chance and they'll have a look. Basically, they'll have a look at him on Saturday. So, still some sort of chance that Bamford might feature. Although, judging by his comments himself, you'd have to think it'd be a, a big doubt, to be quite honest. Um, and other than that, yeah, you know, the bits and bobs of team news. I suppose the only one who's like definitely back is Joffy, really, Joe Gelhart, which is obviously very good news and really important um, at a time like now when there's obviously doubts over Bamford. And obviously, big, you know, lots of stuff on the transfer front as well. Um, the striker stuff rumbles on. Obviously, Willie Nonto, we'll talk about that. Um, you know, obviously, interesting him confirmed by Jesse after a question put to him by Sky. And I thought the other thing that was interesting was the left back situation. Um, I just wanted to leave the press conference really knowing what the latest was on the striker and left back situation because they're the two areas we know that Leeds have been looking at. And the left back thing just seems to have gone a bit quiet lately. Um, so I just sort of wondered really well, you know, has there been a change of tact on that? And, um, to all extents and purposes, it sounds like there has really. Um, it sounds like that they're kind of like happy where they are with it, which I suppose was always there was always the potential of that because the nearer Junior Furpo gets to coming back, um, obviously the closer they are to having their their player back who was signed as first choice. Um, but you know whether that's the right decision or not, and whether they could do with somebody else at left back as well as another option is another another debate entirely. Really, um, I suppose only time will tell. But yeah, loads of good stuff. And as you say, um, lots of questions about the Chelsea rivalry. I don't think anybody expected Marsh to start reeling off all the um, famous famous past games and who got booked and who got sent off in the 70s and stuff. But fair play to him because he, he does know about it and stuff. That was quite nice. He, he said that people have been giving him loads of different books and he's got loads of books in his office about Leeds' history or something like that. And, and they're all different books and he's, he's trying, to, trying to get through them. Although he, although he said he hadn't got through them yet. He said maybe that's one, that's one for when he retires. So... Uh, yeah, he'll have some reading to look forward to there. Won't he? But yeah, he's what's for sure is he's very aware of the rivalry, um, as are the players. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a big one, really. We chat to people like Eddie Gray about it. And, you know, I mean, I know like these days, obviously, it's probably maybe seen as a lesser rivalry than it used to be, but it still exists. There's no doubt about that. You know, really, after Man United, you could probably say the second biggest rivals, I would probably say still. Of course, last weekend, Lee, you and I were, were on our holidays off to the South Coast, enjoying the very Mediterranean weather on offer there. Um, I wore jeans on Saturday. That wasn't a smart yeah. choice. 
uh, nor was conceding two late goals, which uh, put paid to, to any hopes of Leeds beginning the season with a 100% record. Um, still unbeaten, though, yeah. unlike some teams. And as you were mentioning, Manchester United there. Um, if anybody was gravely disappointed by the result at St Mary's, fortunately, uh, Man United were on hand to provide some comic relief, not even half an hour after the final whistle had blown at Southampton. Um, so very grateful to them for that. Uh, awfully kind. Um, I think we're all, I mean, at least we were anyway, I think we're all still in the, the stadium, in the press room when Brentford's third and fourth went in. Um, you could hear everybody in, in the corporates cheering every time they scored. Um, you do love to see a bit of uh, unity among rival clubs, don't you? Uh, looking ahead to this weekend then, definitely uh, the, the sternest test of the season so far, Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. Um, what are you expecting from them? What are you expecting from Leeds? What are you expecting from the, the game in general? Well, I think I think it'll be very, very difficult. That's obvious. You know, I, I think it's not just a case of like this is, you know, sort of like the hardest game so far. It's like just a massive, massive step up in class. There's, there's, there's gaps all over in the Premier League, isn't there, really, starting to open up? I mean, you could say that basically there's a big gap between City and Liverpool and the rest in terms of like the chasing pack for Champions League teams. I think that's fair to say. Then obviously there's probably a gap after the Champions League sides, the rest of them, you know, like sort of like your Chelsea's and your Tottenham's and Arsenal, who are obviously fastly and getting better very, very quickly. There's a gap after them back to the others and there's probably another gap back to the other teams underneath that all the way back to the teams that you know who'll be fighting out relegation which hopefully won't be Leeds I think from what I've seen so far I'd be reasonably optimistic that they won't get embroiled in a scrap down the bottom um I think every time I've done done one of these I've sort of said you know 13th 14th maybe something like that and I think that sounds about right at the minute from what I've seen um although I, I definitely think you know they'd be aided by Getting in another striker option and one who's Premier League ready, which is what Jesse said himself they need, really. Um, so, and the left back uh, option as well, whether that happens, well, it probably won't after what we heard today. But Chelsea would be really difficult, obviously. They've got a fair few injuries, haven't they? Tom Tuchel had his press conference today. Is the five players out, I think it is, and, and big, big ones as well. There's a couple of them. I think the big ones, Angola yeah. Conte. Uh, I think uh, yeah. Marcus Alonso is a doubt. Uh, you've got Kovacic, who's definitely going to miss it. And I think Broja so, yeah. as well, obviously the backup striker. So a few there. Yeah, just flashing up here. You know, his injury is not good. So he's, he's definitely out. Yeah, the, the big player's out. And there's obviously talk about them, you know, possibly needing another striker and going for something like that up front. Um, will they be reeling on the back of the 2-2 last-minute equaliser against Spurs? Obviously, there's... The, well, I mean, I mean, how we don't know what's happening with... At the time of recording, how we don't know what's happening with Tuchel's bands a bit ridiculous. I mean, it was a bit farcical at the press conference, really, because I think Jesse was asked by, by the, the, the chat from Sky about, you know, Tuchel, etc., etc., how he'd be feeling on the back of last weekend's. And, and I think Jesse just said, well he, well, he won't be there, will he? But we were kind of like, well, well, we think he will be. And then everybody sort of like, nobody really knew what was going on. And this is a situation where it's like, you know, I mean, mid-afternoon on Friday, and we still actually don't know if he's banned or not. But I mean, I don't know, like with a touchline ban, but uh, that must come into it to some degree. Although obviously, like, there's such a well-oiled machine that it might not make too much difference, really. Um, but, you know, just even with the injuries and the fact that they're away from home and whatever, and the various factors talked about, just they're just chock full of quality, aren't they? You know, and like a, just a top, top level outfit. That's going to be very, very hard to beat. Um, and it was interesting that Jesse was saying that I think we can cause them problems and that we'll go for it sort of thing and have a go at them, which is good to hear because that's what you want. Obviously, you're at home and it'd be like a really fantastic atmosphere, you know, full up Ellen Road at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And I don't want to see teams, the home team, you know, sat back and trying to contain Chelsea. So I think they're going to have a go and go for it. But they're going to have to be so, so careful because in doing that, obviously, if they start leaving gaps at the back, 
you know, I mean, it could be a very long afternoon um, if they don't get it right. I mean, we saw Southampton cut them open twice. And with all due respect, Chelsea are a million miles different outfit to Southampton. So if if the Saints can get two against Leeds in quick time, then, you know, it shows what Chelsea will be able to do um, if Leeds don't um, execute the plan to perfection. But got a chance, absolutely got a chance. Again, as with most games, I just think first goal will be key. I think if Chelsea go in front, then it's going to be, you know, very, very, it's not well, a four to seven thereabouts anyway. But if Leeds can get an early goal and go in front, uh, then then why not? But um, obviously, there's still various players missing. And against someone like that, you'd want everybody fully fit, really. Yeah, it, it feels as though Leeds have an opportunity to really have a go this time around. Because yeah. last time it was the, the 3-0 uh, at Ellen Road to, towards the end of the season where there was pressure around, you know, potential relegation. Dan James got sent off around 20 minutes into that game and, you know, already 1-0 down after about mm. four minutes. So it felt as though it was, it didn't feel as though it was a, a game which Leeds could could really have a chance in. Uh, and it, it yeah. was lost before it even began, essentially. Um, and I think everybody was really looking at Brighton and Brentford as as the final two, as the games in which Leeds would would pick up some yeah. points, or at least uh, would hopefully pick up the the points. Of course, which, which they did uh, eventually end up doing. So I think, yeah, this weekend, this this Chelsea fixture. Um, I mean, obviously they they haven't started poorly, Chelsea, but mm. I think the fact that you know they were maybe a, a little bit wobbly at set plays especially defending them last weekend obviously yeah saw that harry kane header in the 96th minute that that's something where i think leeds can can definitely hurt hurt chelsea and, and it is those marginal gains those areas where it's just 11 v 11 um yeah i think i think the vast i think the vast majority yeah. of teams go zonal now at set pieces but you know you you, you get your man you you try and just you got to try and get try and outstrengthen them um, and you've, you've got to look at the likes of, you know, your Pascal strikes and, and going up for, for big headers at the front post and just flicking it on, um, like we saw last weekend at Southampton. And I think that's where it's less about skill and, and more about preparation. Um, you know, we, we we heard from from Jesse Marsh talk about how he's enlisted Mark Jackson yeah. as a dedicated set-piece coach now, amongst other things he said. Um, so there's... There's definitely going to be. Um, I mean, how many times he mentioned video sessions today? There will have been. There will have been video sessions on how Leeds can harm Chelsea at set plays this weekend. Yeah, so that an area. that's definitely an area which I think Leeds need to target. You, I mean, you'd, you'd hope that Leeds are, are, are going to really try and come out the blocks faster and, and put Chelsea under pressure because, as I say, it's probably the, the first chance since uh, probably since the first game of, of last season in the Premier League. Um, against Man United, where there wasn't really a great deal of pr- pressure playing a, a top six team, or at least there wasn't a great deal of pressure from below, given the you know the worry about relegation, because every other fixture in that meantime, yeah, you know, Leeds lost every single one of them, and th- going into those games, I'm thinking Definitely. more around sort of like December last year, um, you know, the, Leeds were very much sort of troubled by relegation, and there was there was that that feeling that. None of them were a free hit, you know. Leeds never really had a cushion last year, so um, it'll be uh, it, it, you know, now with four points on the board after two games, that pressure isn't necessarily as strong. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the how the game plays out. For, yeah, it's it absolutely. It feels like we've got a bit of a cushion now, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it's obviously only two games into the season, but if you were going into this one with one or no points, you know, and already thinking, you know, desperate to get that first one on the board and. It just changes the dynamic a little bit, I suppose. Um, I mean, obviously they're on four points and they should be on six. I mean, it was a bit weird Southampton how they didn't how how it sort of suddenly went from two 0 to two two. But 
it, it was just in that, you know, when, when, when Saints pulled the goal back, you know, we were there, weren't we? And we just sort of thought, you could just sort of, I mean, I was writing a report and I'd already started, and I, when it went 2 1, I mean, obviously this leads us to the front, but I just, I just knew that there was a, you know, it was going to be a rewrite. And um, thankfully it wasn't a rewrite um, in terms of turning, a, a, you know, a lead into a defeat. Um, quite nice how Ralph Hasselhoff came into his presser afterwards and said, I'm very sorry for, uh, well, I can't really put it now. Ruining your destroyed, script, destroyed ruining some your headlines. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, destroyed, destroyed some headlines. That was it. Yeah, he destroyed. He, they destroyed our, our my report, um, which was already written. So, but yeah, um, even having those four points, it just it does give him a bit of a cushion. Um, but everything's just got to be executed to perfection against Chelsea. The thing I'd worry about maybe a little bit is then getting 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 in down the flanks, a bit like Southampton did for the first goal. Speaking to Tony Dorigo, um this week, um, he. I sort of, you know, asked him what he thought, and he he pointed out Reese James maybe flying down the flying down the right as a potential problem area. I mean, are we going to have Reese James against Pascal Stroik? Probably something like that. Potentially, that's this is what I mean. I mean, Pascal's done pretty well, I think, so far. I mean, he, I thought he was all right actually last weekend, and um, I know the goal, the equalising goal, came from that side. Well, the the ball that came through that down that side of the pitch, well, through the middle, but ultimately into that space. But it was behind Jack Harrison, really. Where um, Walker Peters got in. If you remember as well, during that game at, at Ellen Road towards the end of last season, the opening goal was Reese James coming down the right, um, kind of twisting strike inside and out, and then playing it to Mason yeah. Mount on the edge of the area. And obviously, it's a very good finish in the top corner, but you you want to to, to be limiting your opponent those sort of territory those sort of territorial gains that early yeah, on in that, the match. That that, fi- that feels like it. Exactly, yeah. That that feels like it could be a real key battle. That, um, and I do think Pascal's done pretty well, generally speaking, as a left back because he isn't a left back; he's a centre back, basically. I mean, obviously, a lot of players can play lots of different positions, and if you can do that, then then great. Because obviously, you know, it's good for the squad, good for the side, and, and ultimately, good for yourself because he, you know means you can slot in somewhere else. Because obviously, if, if he wasn't able to play at left back, he'd be probably be on the bench at the minute. Um, but it's like acid tests like this when you come up against sides like this, you know, who are going to have people like Reese James and, and whatnot flying down the outside and breaking into space after Leeds high press. Cause obviously Leeds will press the hell out of the back line again, like they always do. And if they get that right, it might well lead to a goal or hopefully more than one goal, but there are going to be leaving gaps at the back as well. So it's the sort of game where, um, I kind of thought a lot of games would be tight with Leeds this season under the way that Marsh has set them up and I still think a lot of them will but I could see there being a few goals in this one one way or the other because I just think Leeds will I just think Leeds will press they'll leave spaces I think both teams to score looks not not a certainty but I think there'd be a pretty big chance of that and it's just just going to need the rub of the green everything to go right and um really the um the real interesting thing is because I suppose the team more or less picks itself apart from the front four and that's that's you know, getting that getting that front four selection right and the front four producing the goods on the day um, for Leeds in terms of taking what chances they have, that's going to be key as well. Um, and we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, a lot depends on what happens with Bamford. But if we're assuming that Bamford won't make it, Jesse's already said himself that Rodrigo will start and be captain. Um, so then it's just the three positions in behind that, really. I mean, we, we can get into that in terms of the team news. And, and usually we, we keep this sort of the, the lineups t- to the end of the pod, but I suppose it makes sense given that we're kind of previewing the Chelsea game now. And I think if I was mm. going to go with my sort of 11 for the match, it would, would probably be the same formation, roughly the same lineup. It'll just be simply swapping out um, Bamford for, for Sinistera, um, putting Rodrigo up top as he was in the second half at, at St. Mary's 
Um, and then moving yeah. sort of Aronson in field to that number 10 position and having Sinistera on the right wing because we obviously haven't seen what he's capable of yet. Uh, I think from you know what yeah. he showed at, at Feyenoord, you know, if he gets a run of games and he can start matches, then that's something which is potentially very exciting. Uh, and Jesse Marsh, you know, saying that, mm. that Sinistera is, is fully fit and available, the same for, for, for Adam Forshaw as well. Um, that's obviously a massive positive because you want your 20, sure. 25 million pound summer signing winger, uh, quote unquote, Rafinha replacement to be starting as, as many games as yeah. possible. Um, so so that's the change that, that I'd, I'd make. I mean, I'd have Melier, Christensen, Urente, Cox, Stroik, Adams, Rocker, uh, Sinistera, Harrison, Aronson and, and Rodrigo's as my 11. Um, I think maybe a bit harsh on Joe Gelhart missing out, but I think when you look at Rodrigo mm. with three goals in, in, in two games and the hat-trick against Cagliari and, and just the form that he's been in, you can't you can't really have, have anybody else leading that line. Exactly. What about you? Yeah, I, th- I think I'd say the same. I, I think that would be my my preferred 11 in terms of what, what, the, what there is available. This is obviously on the assumption that Bamford's yeah. out and doesn't make it. Um, I think the back the back line and obviously the double pivot in front of midfield, the back four almost picks itself. And it's just those front four positions. You can't not play Rodrigo the way he's going at the minute, obviously <laughs> leading the golden boot race. <laughs> Um, but I just think the I just think Sinistera is the interesting one because I know Jesse said he's raring to go and he's fully fit, etc. But he only came on with like a handful of minutes to go against Southampton. I just wonder whether another role from the bench might be the one for him. I don't. I think long term, obviously, he's going to start. You know, he's obviously like you say, he's you know he's the 20, 20 million winger they brought in. Nobody wants to be saying he's the next Rafinha because, I mean, talk about putting pressure on somebody. Um, you only get two questions at the press conferences. The other one I wanted to ask Jesse really was about um, Sinistero. I know he's talked about him a bit already before, but basically in terms of how ready is he, and in terms of like, is he ready to start and what can fans expect from him and how does, you know, where does he see him playing in terms of like, will he just be on one particular flank and maybe like, how does he compare to Rafinha? Because let's be honest, that's what fans got used to last season, seeing Rafinha fly up and down the flank and producing all the magic and you know that's now falling on other people and a lot of it will fall on Sinistera but um, I just wonder whether he might be on the bench and in which case it'd probably be James on one flank and Harrison on the other with Aronson at 10 and Rodrigo at front the only the only thing with that is I agree with you I mean it's, it's a funny one because I'm one of the ones who's always been saying for ages that Gelhart has to start simple as that he's that good and I still think that but obviously he's been injured and I know it wasn't a big injury it's just a dead leg but I just wonder, really, again, with him, it's probably going to be more more off the bench and he might be like a real option to come off the bench as well and, you know, hopefully against tiring defences. So um, I think I'd agree with your lineup in terms of the one I'd go with, but I just I just wonder, if I had to do a predicted one, whether Sinistera might actually be on the bench. But time will tell, ultimately. Yeah, think, yeah, the problem it's is been... it's a head versus heart debate, isn't it? Well, like, what, what do you want to see versus what will we actually see? Yeah, it's going to be Sinistera or James, one or the other, isn't it? I think, probably. Um, starting that's pretty nailed on and I think Harrison as well on the left probably so it's good to see that he's still got options even with players injured you know like so there are options there it's just it's just a striker situation really that's the thing isn't it because you can't knock Rodrigo he's obviously started in flying form Um, you know as we say three goals whatever leading the top of the charts Premier League chart goal scoring charts but how is that going to last and is he an actual, you know, proper, proper number nine striker? That's the thing. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, 
he proves that again this weekend that he is and has a blinder against Chelsea and gets the winner or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, wishful thinking, just, Lee. I think that's that's very maybe, wishful maybe, thinking. Yeah. But I'm sure um, other people listening to this will uh, will be hoping for the for the same sort of outcome. Um, speaking of strikers, though, and Jesse Marsh did refer to to one of the one of the names which has been linked in the media recently uh, over sort of the, the transfer window. Um, only sort of emerged in the last week or so, um, certainly in a, in a material sense. And that's Wilfried Nonto, the uh, 18-year-old Italian international who uh, currently plays for, for FC Zurich in Switzerland. Um, Marsh said yeah. uh, he, he wasn't aware that that was out there, which in a sense sort of alludes to the fact that conversations have definitely been had. I mean, you know, it's it's very... Yeah. He, he said he's very highly thought of at Leeds, which again... The, the manager is not going to say that if he's not been having conversations with the sporting director, for example, about a potential addition. Um, so I think yeah. that was that was quite telling that this is a move or rather a, a player who they're very much interested in, in, in um, even if it's not you know attainable or, or, or doable this this window. Um, Marsh did say that it was a case of you know mm-hmm. we maybe have to look again in in January or next summer. Um, you know, he was commending uh, Victor Orta for the way that he's able to plan ahead and look to see what Leeds need in, in the months and years to come and, and just just in terms of squad building in general. Um, but in terms of what Nyonto is like as a player, uh, I'm led to believe that he's quite an explosive player. He's got a good turn of pace, a very powerful shot, but um, Marsh doesn't yeah. seem to think he's, uh, he's, he's Premier League ready. That might be up for debate. Who knows? He's got four caps for Italy and you know, yeah. Italy are European champions. Um, admittedly, I think most of those caps did come uh, in sort of like friendly fixtures or non-competitive games, uh, you know, like your Nations League fixtures where there's not a Nations great League deal riding games. on them compared to, um, you know, you know your, your actual tournament stuff. Um, I think, so yeah, it might, it might have been a little bit premature of him, you know, playing four games. Um, but I think it's the it's the right sort of profile that you want to be adding, you know, someone who's on a similar-ish level to Gelhart, maybe a few yeah. or maybe a year or a year or so behind him. He's not going to steal minutes, but he's he's going to effectively do what Gelhart did last season mm. uh, in terms of flitting between the 21s and the first team, you know, sitting on the bench occasionally, maybe coming on and, and having an impact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, again, you know, Jesse said in, in an ideal world or effectively in, in so many words, in, a, in an ideal world, he would he would get another striker in, and they were actively pursuing that. But um, you know, I mean, what did you what did you make of uh, him actually referring yeah. to to Nonto? Obviously, um, still just linked. You know, we haven't had any further information on that. Um, but what did you make of of that? Because we've been so used to for so long. You know, Marcelo Bielsa saying he's just not going to comment on players who don't belong to the club. Um, so to hear Marsh start waxing lyrical about someone who plays for FC Zurich was, was quite a strange one. Yeah. It was quite nice. We had it in pre-season as well, didn't he? When he was when he was asked about Charles de Ketelaire and um you know was quite happy to talk about that as well and saying basically, you know, yeah, we like him, we want to try and get him, but ultimately it looks like he's going elsewhere. I mean he was pretty honest about it. So it was good, you know, it was good to hear that about Nonto today as well. Um the interesting thing though is with it, I I, th- I think you're right. I think he ticks a lot of boxes and I think he'd be a good signing. But it's just the fact that Jesse was asked, you know, would he be Premier League ready? And he was sort of saying, well, no, not quite. No, not yet. You need a bit of time, this, that and the other. And that basically, if they were to get him in, he would probably be like one more for the future or something. And by that, also, he meant, you know, sort of added the fact that it might not even be this window where they get him. So 
I think he'd be good. He ticks a lot of boxes, as you say, like explosive. Obviously, has a good shot on him. Very good age, international experience. I think he was young, Italy's youngest scorer, wasn't he, as well? Uh, so, you know, obviously, there's a lot to recommend him. And the fee that's been talked about or that, you know, how much that Jurek want from him doesn't seem astronomical either, does it? You know, so it makes a lot of sense. But the only thing is, is that obviously I asked Jesse a bit later on in the press conference about, not necessarily about Willie Nonto himself, but just if he's saying he's not a Premier League ready striker, I think I just said to him, like, in terms of what you've got, do you feel like you actually need a Premier League ready striker now? You know, not somebody who's going to come in and like be good for it in a couple of years' time. And basically the answer was, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think that's that I think that would ben- that would benefit us. So that's obviously what he wants. So I mean they were looking what what you could say in a roundabout way is they were looking at the Ketelaire. Obviously, he was going to come in. They wanted him to come in, it would have been the club record signing. And he would have been Premier League ready, you know, like come in, starting, et cetera. Could, could, could have played instead of Bamford or with Bamford. But I think they've missed out on him. I don't think if you missed out on him that suddenly Nonto's like the answer to that, you know, like it feels like Nonto's like a different different project, you know, like maybe someone a bit longer term. So there will be other conversations going on about, you know, looking at proper strikers in terms of established strikers. And interesting how Jesse said, you know, there's sort of like two weeks of the window left and he expects like, you know, dominoes to start not falling over one by one and like a domino effect and he seemed quite confident that something might happen um and whether he meant Monto by that or somebody else or him and and another you know remains to be seen but I don't think there's any doubt that you know he wants a first team striker in and someone who can play right away but it is complicated because obviously you don't know how long Bamford's you don't know how fit and available Bamford's going to be and like Jesse said himself we've got to get the right person in they've got to be able to come in hit the ground running be able to you know learn the team's style and tactics and pressing so there's so many different facets to it um but you know what is for sure is if they don't bring anybody in by the end of August or start of September then that's it till January and the last thing you want is to be in a situation again like last season where you're just sort of like so so short of options so I think they've got, I think they've got to do something that's for sure no I, I agree with you I, th- I think it's it's an area where they are definitely uh, they are definitely aware that that they want to avoid a similar repeat of the Bamford scenario uh, and and if anyone is, yeah. is is that way inclined um an inside Ellen Road exclusive but Nonto will probably be in the UK next week because he's playing Hearts in the Europa League playoffs. <laughs> um, he came on, I think it was last night, came on against Hearts. Uh, they won 2-1 in that sort of qualifying game for, for the Europa League. Um, but yeah, came on for the last 20 minutes in that first leg. Yeah. And um, yeah, he'll be he'll be at Tynecastle next Thursday, I think the 25th of August, I think it is. Um, so if anyone wants to, to get up there and That's go and one. do a little um, scout report, then yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you started now. You'll have everybody. You'll have, you'll have half of Leeds, all the fans packing on the trains next. I, Thursday, I was going to say like, if, the, if the strikes weren't on, then yeah, I'd, I'd get myself up there. But no, um, he, he'll potentially be over there. Um, but it might it might be quite telling to see whether he's involved in that squad or, or how much he plays in the meantime. Um, but as well as that, and I'm very conscious yeah. that it's a family show. I'm, I'm very conscious that you know we don't want to we don't want to diminish the the quality podcasting and quality journalism that we that we like to do here. But if you've got Nonto um, and uh, one of Leeds centre halves by the name of Robin, you put their their names together, or rather That's their possible. first names and the last names respectively. Um, it doesn't take too much imagination to come up with what might be um, an interesting double act that might be known. Um, this season, um, that is if they're able to to do a deal. Not quite PG, but um, yeah, might have to might have to be the new version of Click Bait. Um, that that play yeah. on words with Matthias Click and and Lewis Bates' names. Um, but yeah, 
see if uh, they're able to get that one over the line, whether that's now or whether it's in the in the future. And and just to move on very very swiftly um, before I end up getting sacked, um, <laughs> it's the the twenty ones are in action yep. again tonight. Um, we're recording on Friday after the press conference, so depending on when you're listening to this, um, there'll be a match report on the Yorkshire Evening Post, or there'll be a live blog this evening from Aston yep. Villa uh, for you to to follow along with. Um, but the 21s were also in action on Monday as well. Uh, Matteo Joseph scoring once again. Uh, he's now got five in two games. Um, so very, very good record there. Him yeah, and Rodrigo having their own little personal <laughs> battle at senior level and, and 21s. Um, they drew 2-2 with Norwich. Um, and Marsh was there. He uh, he was he was atop the, the TV gantry on the far side of the pitch. Uh, it was fans there as well, which was, was nice to see. Uh, and uh, the likes of Sinistera, Tyler Adams, Stuart Dallas, Joel Robles, uh, and Mark Rocker, uh, all there to support the, the 21s. Yeah. Um, Matthias Click played 90 minutes. Uh, Forshaw played 45. Somerville hit the post with a header in stoppage time at the end of the second half. Uh, I thought I was seeing things considering how much of a diminutive little winger that he is, but no, he was getting the on, the end, and on the end of stuff with his head. Uh, Cody Drummer uh, also giving Jesse Marsh some food for thought. Uh, right back but yeah it was a, it was a good day out there and, and hopefully the team can get back to, to winning mm-hmm. ways this evening against Aston Villa in PL2 but um, Lee I think that's kind of just wrapping things up for us on this week's episode of the Inside Ellen Road yeah. podcast uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to add to, to the listeners before this weekend? I think you're right when you when you go through the, the players at the 21s level I don't think there's any doubt that Leeds have got some seriously good you know talented young players in terms of like I think whatever you know way you look at it the future looks very very bright doesn't it in terms of these people coming through it's just maybe just some couple of little gaps in the first team as in like established players I think that's what they're after in terms of well obviously the left back thing maybe not as much now from judging what Jesse said but you know it's all about a striker isn't it getting somebody in who can come in and be ready to play um that's the thing really but it's been a positive start so far obviously four points out of six it should be six um but it's not um but you know hopefully they can get at least one more maybe three this weekend we shall see but it'll certainly be a cracking atmosphere and um sort of game that you sort of get up and you're just really looking forward to aren't you like Leeds Chelsea it's a it's one of the classics isn't it really and uh yeah should be uh, should be some atmosphere I should think yeah that's one definitely to to get excited for but um yeah thank you very much for tuning in thank you Lee for for joining me on the Inside Ellen Road podcast we'll have another match reaction episode this weekend after Chelsea uh, our immediate bite-sized verdict of the game Uh, and yeah we'll have another episode after Marsh's pressure after Marsh has and we'll have another episode after Marsh's presser next week. But yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been the Inside Ellen Road podcast with myself, Joe Donahue, and Lee Sobert. Bye for now.